0: Role-playing games have been one of the most popular genres of video games since the days of the text-only RPGs. For most of the last 20 years or so, Japanese RPGs were the standard by which all other RPGs were measured. In recent years, however, that's changed, and RPGs made by Western developers have since taken over, finding new ways for players to feel the same joys and frustrations felt in the older JRPGs. So what sets the two styles apart? How have each evolved? and where can they go from here? We're going to discuss this right here on Downloadable Content. downloadable content. I am Brian, and with me on this episode, we have Ron. Hey, everyone. We have Michelle. Welcome back. Hello. We have a newcomer. Yes, we have a newcomer late in the season. We welcome Jeremiah to the fray. Hi, everyone. And we will have a Tanya at some point. She seems to have vanished, as her usual, right before we, st- we start recording, so I'm sure she shall j- jump in at some point. But yes, we are going to be talking about Western RPGs and JRPGs on this episode. This is actually a fan suggestion. This episode was suggested by Jeremiah. And finally, he makes it!
1: (laughs) Yep. Yes, I do, finally.
0: Finally, I have a recording day which is conducive to your schedule. Yeah. Thank you for that. You're very welcome. You're absolutely very welcome. So, uh, before we get to the discussion at hand. Just want to remind everyone that every episode of downloadable content can be found on iTunes, YouTube, and Stitcher, and you can get in touch with us a variety of ways. You can get on Facebook at facebook.com dlcontent, at Twitter at dlcontent, on Tumblr at dlcpodcast.tumblr.com. You can also email us at dlcontent1 at gmail.com. I think that just about covers the plug, so let's dive right in. Obviously, all of us are RPG players, otherwise we would not be on this episode. Um, But I suspect that for many of us, we grew up largely on RPGs, particularly JRPGs, because that was pretty much all we had, with few exceptions. We had, you know, the big powerhouses of, of RPG uh, companies. We had Square, which, you know, Final Fantasy, Enix with Dragon Quest. We've had the Mana series, Fantasy Star, you know, the, the big series, the big names, other, you know, Chrono Trigger. And Fire Emblem. Fire Emblem, yep. And, you know, these are what we grew up on, and we didn't have you know, a whole lot of... I don't want to say variety, but there there were particular tropes and things in JRPGs that kept us coming back to these games. Even though we saw a lot of the same sort of ideas and other sorts of gameplay mechanics in these games, we still love them time and time again, and... You know, starting off, you know, JRPGs, one of the big differences that I've noticed between JRPGs and Western RPGs uh, by Western developers, JRPGs are incredibly, at least before they decided to get all wacky and experimental the last few years, JRPGs are typically very, very narrative centric. That is, you know, one of their strongest points is that they, they delivered an excellent, excellent story. Um, also, you know, within that story, the, the protagonists of those games were typically not you. You weren't inserted into the avatar or of another character in terms of, you know, first person or customizable anything. Um, And so you you are watching a group of protagonists and through their actions they're basically telling you a story. The emphasis seems to be on the group itself rather than, say, an individual person. Many JRPGs I've played and a lot of others have played uh, one of the typical things you find is the sort of menu-based combat system. And, you know, for decades this is what we had. I mean, we had some excellent, excellent examples of that. I mean, we've already mentioned Final Fantasy and how most of the Final Fantasies, particularly in the Classic era, used the active time battle system again and again and again. And, While some people might consider that boring, Square typically made up for reusing these same sort of gameplay mechanics with amazing stories.
1: But at the same time, I I think the first JRPG that I played that I really, 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 really loved and actually beat over and over, uh, originally known as um, Final Fantasy Adventure, it's known as Sword of Mana, I think it's called now. Um, that was the first one I ever played that had the real-time battle system, and that's the first time I ever played an JRPG that I really, really could not put down, and then played it over and over on my Game Boy, original Game Boy, repeatedly.
0: The first JRPG I ever played, shockingly, actually was Final Fantasy VII. Really? That was the first one I played back in late middle school. I think.
1: Yeah. So I I remember putting in the Nintendo and playing Final Fantasy 1 all the way through like the first two hours or so, then, you know, having to shut off the power and forgetting about it and then playing, you know, Dragon Warrior. Usually about three or four hours every time and then forgetting that I had started to save and forgetting about the game. I I remember playing those all the time when I was
0: a kid. (sighs)
2: Sigh.
0: Sigh. (laughs) Sigh sigh, Tanya, welcome. You, you managed to finally make it on, so.
3: Oh, okay. So I didn't miss too much.
0: No, only a few minutes. Okay. So. And if you don't, if you don't mind me jumping in
1: to continue that point that you were talking about, um, I think one thing that kept me going back to them, which has recently been reinforced as I started playing my Game Boy Advance again and playing Final Fantasy One and Two, regretfully. Um, and so on, one thing Why? that brought me, cause I, I never played it, so I was like, oh, let's see if this is worth playing, cause it's the Dawn of Souls one, and so I, was, I tried playing it and I got bored in like, an hour, and I don't like it, um, but one thing that kept, I, I realized, like, one reason I kept playing these as a kid, like, I even played Final Fantasy Legends 1 through 3 on Game Boy, if any of you remember those games. Did anyone play Final Fantasy Legends?
2: I played Final Fantasy Legends 3, I think, I think I might even have the cartridge for it somewhere, still.
1: Well, I think the thing that drew me to those games and all these RPGs is they're simple enough that you can pick it up and you know exactly what you're doing, you know the archetypes, you know the stereotypes, you know what your goal is, and you can pick up any of them and just, and just play. And one thing that, you know, really early Western RPGs and some of the more complicated current Japanese RPGs are, they they get overcomplicated, like Final Fantasy 2, overcomplicated itself so it's almost unplayable. And the good JRPGs are the ones you get to pick up and play, and like Pokemon. You know what you're doing, and you just keep on going.
0: Pokemon Pokemon actually surprises me, because I played uh, red, blue, yellow, and silver, and after I beat silver, I went, you know, I've played four games that are virtually identical. I'm going to put this down and uh, not touch Pokemon again and see what happens. So, I recently got and finished Pokémon X and realized, unfortunately, that it's just as identical. I mean, obviously, the game's been, you know, shinied up and, you know, it's made for a 3DS, so, graphically, and it looks, you know, much, much better, obviously, but, by and large, I still felt, I didn't feel that it was different enough. I, w- I actually got bored of it.
1: I see like I-, I think with Pokemon it's not that you have to play every title like I-, I did play the ones that you all mentioned but it's one that you can pick up a title when you want to get a new updated one and play it and it's just as you remember it with new t- with a- just enough new stuff that it can be fresh. It's not the type of franchise where people tend to buy every single one but they tend to buy one every couple of years. Or every five years or so, and and they all and they enjoy it because it's something new and it plays on their current console or their current uh, handheld.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, the thing that that always made me play JRPGs again and again and again, typically, what were the stories? I mean, there were. I mean, even in the older Final Fantasy games. I mean, I yes, I played Seven as my first JRPG. And, yes, I did sob when Eris died. I think everybody did. Um, I then went back and played Final Fantasy 1 through 6. And, you know, there are some moments in those where there's just some absolutely beautiful writing. And very beautifully done emotional scenes and very interesting scenes. And it it was that that I enjoyed.
1: Hey,
2: there's uh, a scene in Final F- oh, i I was saying, uh, there's there's a couple scenes in Final Fantasy Four and Final Fantasy Six that really stick out in my mind. Uh, Final Fantasy four when Cecil has to fight himself to become a paladin. Uh, perfect example. When Rydia shows back shows up when you're thinking about to get your ass handed to you for like the umpteenth time. Um, Final Fantasy Five has uh a, a, Galuf against Death. That was particularly moving. Um, Family Six has the opera scene, and there's also uh, what else is there? Oh, just just a cliff. Yeah. Or yeah. Um, there's also a whole world ending, and then the the reef the getting the band band back together for one final loop around. And.
1: and- Yep. It's Final Fantasy Adventure. I remember there's a scene with uh, the Medusa where you're trying to save um, one of your companion's brothers because you got turned to stone and trying to get tears from a Medusa. and You kill the Medusa and the Medusa doesn't cry. Then you find out your companion got bitten by the Medusa and is turning to one and she's all, you know, and she cries, gives you tears before you have to kill her. I remember when that scene happened. It's on a Game Boy. You can barely see because it's original Game Boy. If you're not looking in the certain light, you can't see Squat. And that (laughs) scene, complete with the music and so on, got me emotional. I was like 10, and my mom was very confused why I was crying at my Game Boy. But that scene really got to me, and I'm replaying it now on the, the Game Boy Advance version, and still does.
0: Ladies, feel free to jump in. <laughs> <laughs> With all
1: this manly men are talking about crying.
3: Uh, well, I, honestly, the only thing I, I can really... I mean, you guys touched on some great scenes, you know? So, I mean, some great writing. I, I really I, The only thing I can really add is... Um, you know, uh, you know, uh, I, I believe one of you mentioned this already, but uh, you know, or maybe you didn't, but with uh, Final Fantasy 6, you know, with Celeste, you know, falling off—I uh, should say, you know, jumping off the cliff in that suicide dive. Um, you know, if you don't uh, save Sid there,
0: um, it—spoiler alert—I know, huh? But it was—I um, <laughs> think the statute of limitations know, right? for spoilers on Final Fantasy 6 have expired. I
3: know, it's kind of only like 20 years old, but anyway, um, make me feel old, but anyway, uh, you know, I I really think that scenes like that, you know, when I first saw that scene, I I was crying, I was, I was just so moved by that scene, even through the Woolsey translation era, I knew that it wasn't a leap of faith or anything like what it said before. But it was, you know, that was her committing suicide, and I was just like or trying to at least, and I was just like, wow, that that was crazy, you know. And I was a kid, obviously, when I first played that, so it, it was pretty crazy. But what an emotional moment! Uh, and when a JRPG can do that, well, you know, it, it, it that's that's the thing I think that kind of separates JRPG from a Western uh, RPG. You know, Western RPGs, you know, they're they're to me, I mean, they have great stories. I, I love Elder Scrolls, I love you know Mass Effect and so forth and so on, but to me, there's more of a focus on 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 the emotional context of the story. Not so much in the character context of their emotions, but in the overall general emotional context of the story. Uh, there's always a theme, an underlying theme. Like some games, they have death. Some games have rebirth. Some games have you know different kinds of. Especially GRPGs have a different kind of theme that runs throughout them. I don't normally see that in um, in Western games. You know, uh, you know Western developed games, you know for RPGs, it's like okay, an you know, Elder Scroll. I'm just gonna grind and kick ass and take names and. You know, and I'm gonna defeat that boss, and I'm gonna go and I'm gonna ransack this person's apartment because I can. You know, (laughs) you know, it's just it's stuff like that. But like, and it's a great story, really strong story. But again, I'm not so invested into it that I, I feel like that there's no theme there. There's not really a underlying context of the entire narrative that's there. You know, um, and I think that's what and I think that's really what draws me to JRPGs is always the underlying context, is that narrative there that sucks you in and doesn't let you go. Uh, I if think it's that's really good story.
1: I think that's the point why I uh, I didn't get into early Western RPGs like the Ultimas and Heroes of Might and Magic, uh, wizardry and stuff like that. I think I didn't get into Western RPGs until Baldur's Gate came out because that game hooked me from the very beginning, and though it was freakishly hard after going from, like, Final Fantasy VI or something to Baldur's Gate, which is, you know, real-time, and if you mess up once with a spell and don't cast it, you die, and then you just die a lot. You open a box, you die. Terrible things happen to you all the time in that game, but that story was so strong to me that I I played it all the way through, even though I didn't know what I was doing half the time. I had never played Dungeons & Dragons. I, uh... You know, I've already got the books because so I want to know what the actual story was. And uh, there wasn't a strong Western RPG with a, f- with a, a story, emotional emotional c- hook like that, until I played uh, Baldur's Gate, the Black Isle Bioware. Well, the title that started Bioware off.
0: Basically. <laughs> Michelle, what say you?
4: Oh, well, I mean, talking about um, JRPGs and the emotions, more recent titles, um, like Infinite Undiscovery, I cried when Sigmund died and then when they uh, all the unblessed got killed towards the end um, that one really messed me up for a little while and I've replayed that game like three times since I bought it that's a 360 title and uh, Manichemia that one made me sob like a little child (laughs) and that's a PS2 title although it came out well after the PS3 had been
0: released (laughs) Recent JRPGs that I really enjoyed, Lost Odyssey, which is on Ooh, yes, which yes, is yes, on yes, the yes, 360. Yes. There's a scene now. That game is actually is newer, so I will not uh, reveal too many things in the way of spoilers. But there were there were certain moments in there that made me wibble, and you know that that particular and it even felt like a, a PlayStation era RPG too because Lost Odyssey was four discs. I'm like, "Oh, I haven't seen a di- I haven't seen one of you in a long time." But anyway,
2: another one that stands out to me is uh, Xenoblade Chronicles. Well, on the yes. Wii. Yep. Uh,
1: and the uh, Last Story as well on the Wii.
2: Yeah. Um, there's a particular scene in that in the early on where you lose a companion? Yes, you do. <laughs> and, and like this, like kind of on, like this is meant to be a kind kind of serious, kind of serious uh, game. Like this is a, a very serious threat that's going to happen to all these people, and you are for some reason the only person that can wield the one thing that can kill these things. And that's actually, I know the plot point you're
0: talking about, but That's basically becomes the driving factor for the main character.
2: For a good half of the game, at least. At and this, l- is, this, is, this is like a 90, 100 hour game, too, keep in mind, so your first 30, 40, 50 hours is all because of this one act.
0: Yeah, it is, it is. yeah, I mean, and that, that game is probably, the, if not the longest game I've ever played... It's one of them. That took me almost a hundred hours from beginning to end and I didn't even do all the side quests.
2: Yeah, I, I the longest game I played was Final Fantasy twelve, and that clocked in at 126 hours, I think.
1: Kingdoms of Amular. Two hundred and
2: ten. <laughs> oh, my issue with Kingdoms of Amular was the thirty hour starting area. <laughs>
0: And then you have other, you know, other JRPGs that sort of b- break with uh, convention. I mean, I know that I am particularly used to the the menu based combat in JRPGs, and it becomes a test of reflexes. But then, but I mean, I'm a masochist. Whenever I play the older Final Fantasy games, I set the active time battle bar to active instead of wait so that i i i I, i'm a masochist like that i'm like oh i have to i have to make this decision because the enemy is still attacking me he's not going to sit there and go all right what are you going to do cast an item or a spell you know you know i need to eat uh come on just just kill me and have done with it but um then you have the the hack and slash type JRPGs, then the first one that immediately comes to my brain is Kingdom Hearts.
1: Or the Secret of Mana series. Secret of Mana, yeah. that's
0: another one. Yep. Yeah. Um,
1: last Story is another one of those, too. Though it's quasi, because it also has strategy elements, but The Last Story is definitely one of those type of ones, so it also has the emotional hook. Like, if you know the last two hours of that game, oh gosh.
2: The Castlevania series in general is pretty... Hack like the, especially the later versions have a lot more RPG elements in them, and are still relatively hack and slash. Infinite um,
4: Undiscovery is okay. hack and slash, actually,
0: too. What uh, game?
4: Infinite what, Undiscovery.
3: Infinite Undiscovery. Yeah, I was just gonna say yeah, uh,
0: yeah. And that presents a different mechanic because now these battle now you know things like battles are coming at you in real time. The Kingdom Hearts particularly, there's no you know shift to a separate animation. It's right there. And that also leads to very interesting mechanics as well, because now instead of a menu-based system, you're, you know, mo- by and large, just mashing X.
2: Or a combo-based system of some kind. With, right. Um... No, Kingdom Hearts has one where it's like Various like axes and circles for leaps and jumps to do different particular moves, or um, hotkeying up particular spells. So you can use like Firea or something like that.
0: And they also, you know, dabbled in different types of, of genres. I mean, a lot of. Well, I I personally felt just from my own uh, experience with JRPGs, a lot of the games I played were more fantasy oriented, but you definitely had some some great ones that went into the realm of, say, science fiction. I'll give you Xena Gears, Xena Saga, Parasite Eve, which is kind of a survival horror RPG. Oh,
1: I haven't thought of Parasite Eve in years. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was a great one.
0: That was an amazing one. I'm he- Until the
1: most recent game, and then it's like
0: you know, I have the third birthday and I'm a little hesitant to start it. <laughs> I hate if that. you're a completist, you should. But I'm going to, but I'm probably going to wanna to heavily bathe myself after I'm done with it. I'm just gonna <sighs> tell
3: you right now, Brian, you're gonna des- you're gonna wanna destroy it after you're done playing. I couldn't stand that game. Oh my god. Yeah.
2: There's also oh, games is- that um Take place in a relatively modern day setting. You have Valkyria Chronicles, which is like World War One esque. There's also Earthbound as well. Pretty much the entire Persona series has some is like all the all the persona, persona games, whether it's Shin Megami Tensei or Persona or Digital Devil Summer or things like that, they all generally take place in a twentieth century or a twenty first century setting.
0: I just have one thing to say about Earthbound, and that's what the fuck. (laughs) (laughs) But when it comes
1: to JRPGs, though, they don't tend to just stick to a genre. Like, uh, for the Western RPG, most of them fall along the lines of, this is a science fiction, this is a fantasy, this is, you know, they fit a certain genre and they don't leave it. Well, JRPGs tend to have, like, for example, look at Final Fantasy. Even the ones that are mostly fantasy-based, you still have airships. You still have guns. You still have lots of, you have mechas, you still have lots of things that don't fit the genre that they're trying to do, but at the same time, since it's a Japanese RPG, they don't care, they're there. You know, you have Final Fantasy 8 where they, you know, you have spaceships, are crying out loud. They mix, they mix the different genres together just because they want to and because it fits their story they want to tell, while Western tends to be like, this is a fantasy, we're not going to have stupid guns here or we're not going to have spaceships because it doesn't fit, go away.
0: That sort of reminds me of Dragon Quest. Dragon Quest is is like that as well. It's very... very sort of pastoral in a way. It's... Yeah, yeah, Dragon Dragon
2: Quest is pretty set in fantasy. Like, I very rarely have I seen them have any sort of... uh, more modern technology. I think the only one that jumps to mind is the Spirit Train from... uh, 9...
0: Oh yeah, yeah. So I mean, uh, and uh, and again, you know, we go back to you know these types of games are very very heavy on the narrative, and you're you're typically playing as a party, um, and so the story is unfolding. You're not you're not living vicariously through these characters per se, um, but the story is unfolding for you. Whereas, say, in Western RPGs, um, you're usually playing as an individual rather than a group, or part of a group. Uh, you, you yourself typically become the protagonist by way of, you know, customizable avatars. Someone was going to say something.
2: I was going to say sort of like a choose-your-own-adventure sort of thing where you have a particular setting, but then you, like, Mass Effect and Skyrim and some of the more modern, more recent ones generally have a thing of, like, you create an avatar, generally speaking, more often than not, it ends up being based around you, and then you end up having to... You get a bunch of, like... Dialogue wheel options. Like here's the evil option, here's the neutral option, here's the good option, and then you kind of pick and choose between those, and that, and then the world kind of changes based around what decisions you make.
0: And and because you play, you know, because you are playing um, as your own customizable avatar, you are now the story. You have been placed in the story rather than watching the story unfold or it being told to you. You sort of create it. And
1: I think that came from, because a lot of Western RPGs are influenced a lot by Dungeons and Dragons. Um, you know, so Wizard of the Coast has a lot of influence on a lot of the Western RPGs, directly or indirectly. And so that's beca- and so with those, you create your own character and you do your own adventures. And the games like Baldur's Gate and Everwinter Nights, Icewind Dale and all these ones, they're in that world. And so you create your own character and put it in the world to do this story. But you don't even have to do that story for most of the game if you don't want to. So... A lot of it comes from Dungeons and Dragons being the type of choose-your-own-adventure game, while JRPGs tend to be—they will give us a story, and we will play it, and like it or not.
0: Oh yeah, I mean you could—that you could definitely see that. when I, because I, I played Final Fantasy one, you know, considerably after Final Fantasy seven, you know, I was like you could see that you know your characters have level one magic spells, level two magic spells, and I'm like. Oh, this is lifted right out of the D&D player's handbook. Well done. Yep. And, I mean, even in Dragon Quest or Dragon Warrior 1, your party is a party of one. It's just you, and every battle you come in, it's one versus one. That
1: was a hard game.
0: It was a hard game, but, you know, take take Phantasy Star 1 on the Sega Genesis, where it's a party of one, but it could be one versus six yeah and because of how the limitations of the cartridge the Genesis cartridge at the time you only saw one enemy on screen but you saw six different HP meters
1: yeah which is you know, something that you used in Pokemon and other things to influence later
0: right so I mean you had... I mean, obviously you had limitations of technology first, but yes, very fantasy-inspired, and the la- later RPGs get their influences from a variety of sources. I was very impressed with Xenogears and Xenosaga, basically incorporating, you know, philosophies of Nietzsche, which, in Xenogears, that makes your head hurt with the amount of text. In Xena's Saga, it's voice acted, so, you know, you end up with hour-long cutscenes.
2: <laughs> also, not to mention literal dictionaries of terminology and theories and things like that. That's all per- purely optional for you to go and look up if you want to. It, it's just, a,
0: you know, and there were times when I was just like, okay, I need, uh, I need Cliff's notes for this game.
3: Well, Xenogears, you know, it's it's very. A lot of people call it a convoluted plot. I call it just incredibly complex. It's not really convoluted so much. It's just like you really have to pay attention to every single word, every NPC, and every single person that that says anything. You gotta really pay attention to it. Or else you'll skip something because it's crazy.
0: Yeah, I mean, Xenogears is not one of those where you walk into a city and it's like, "Welcome to Baron." (laughs)
3: <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it, it it really is the type of game where and I, I I hail it as my person as one of my personal masterpieces. I love it. Uh, I was just I just wish the second disc wasn't the way it is, but that's the point entirely. But you know, I I do have to say, for a narrative, wow. I mean, you know, to me, that's the kind of narrative that 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 a GRPG should really try to live up to. Um, at least, you know, in terms of in terms of its complexity, uh, I love it. I love that kind of complexity. I'm a continuity whore I love continuity. So, yeah, you know, stuff like that is great. But you know, uh, but like, okay, like my 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 president, uh, John, he can't stand Xeno Gears. Yeah, he thinks it's just a terrible game, and you know, and of course, I disagree with him. But the reason why he he said, and he gave me his reasons why, and it really made me kind of go, wow, okay, I can kind of see what he's saying, where it got too complex at one point in the game. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it, obviously, but maybe I could spoil it. It is kind of old, but I don't know if I should. But at one point in the game, the really huge plot point is revealed after this epic catastrophe that happens and it's so and even though you kind of know already what it's gonna be when it's revealed it's like it's just a blow in the face and you realize your main character is flawed in so in so many ways and just like whoa, hello, this is crazy and it attacks something that it just GRPGs don't attack. And uh, I'll just I'm just gonna kind of say it delves into the whole thing of uh, multiple personalities and you know since when do you hear about a GRPG that talks about multiple personalities you know and, and especially the, in the almost clinical way it does it you know um with the way one of the characters delivers the explanation you don't see that you know um you don't see uh GRPGs delving into what was the other Arian's in Solaris there um where they were packing the meat from the wells there oh god's the, all I remember is the M plan but it was it was it was basically um, basically it was uh, it was uh, oh, what was it called not, um, Project um, oh I forget uh, it's been a long
0: time since I played that oh my
3: that. god so the tip of my tongue not green what was it it was um. it was in a book it was in a book and I can't remember the name of it and it's gonna kill me
0: Oh my god. You'll wake up at a blinding vision at 4 a.m., scream it, and uh, that'll be that. You
3: know, it, it was it was, um, it was was this process basically where humans were turned into wells, and the wells were turned into food and medicine. And oh,
0: it's called Soylent Green.
3: Soylent. Thank you. The Soylent system. Thank you. my because I couldn't think about it. Soylent yeah. Green is people. Soylent Green is people. And in that game, they had it. They they had their own version of it, but they had it. And it's like, I remember that scene. I remember being a kid going, "Holy shit!"
2: That's messed up.
3: <laughs> That's really messed up. You know, it's like, and I'm just like, I'm just, I'm just, I remember sitting there as a kid, and I remember going, you know, to my friend going, "Uh, does that mean what I think it means?" And he's like, "Yeah." And I'm like, well, that's messed up because they're eating people. It's like, yeah, they are. When do you see that? And even RPGs today. Do you see something like that?
0: Not particularly. I mean did you watch you <laughs> nice count zombies? Did you wa- did you watch Sweeney Todd immediately after?
3: <laughs> Love that movie too. But <laughs>
0: One of the things I also notice about JRPGs, and you know, some people have issues with JRPGs on this particular point, is that, um, especially now, some of the, some of the tropes in JRPGs are seen as a bit insensitive, particularly with its portrayal of women. Because in most JRPGs I've played, if you have a female character, they're usually, not always, but usually relegated to the role of healer. Um, they're usually so incredibly weak that if you blow on their toe, they're dead. Rose is a perfect example. The amount of times I would have to revive her was was bordering on the ridiculous. But, um, if they weren't in your party, if they were NPCs, or if they were uh, other characters, uh, oftentimes uh, females were presented as eye candy and while it might have been a little bit more acceptable is not the best word but it's the, it's, it's the word that's coming to me you know, 10, 20 years ago not so much anymore
1: Yeah, there's nothing like playing Final Fantasy 2 and having a female character be the most useless person with a spear ever can't even hit a thing and then you play the newer ones and finally your females are actually able to you know, kick some ass
4: yeah, I mean, it seems like the female characters in JRPGs—you've usually got the healer, and then you've got the heavy, hemi- heavy armor person—is also a woman, but they're usually, you know, in the bikini armor kind of thing.
0: Yeah, not—I I remember that, Michelle. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I will go with Xena Saga. I'll go back to Xena Saga. Uh Cosmos. If you had saved data, if like I, when I started Xenosaga two, it found that I had Xenosaga one, com- a completed Xenosaga one save. And so you get an unlockable. There's Uh, several unlockables,
2: actually, if memory serves.
0: Alrighty, Michelle. um, Then I will let you go. Alright,
4: I will talk to you later. Thank you for having me. You're (laughs)
0: welcome. Sorry you had to go so early, but you have to do what you have to do. Yep. Alright, talk to you later. Alright, bye. Yes, you do get several unlockables. You do get... um, bikinis for cosmos shion and ziggy and yeah. this is a, this is a popular trope in in jap i mean you have the not only are you reducing your your female characters to eye candy and nothing more but the the thing that always never made sense to me from a logistical standpoint was the less clothing worn the more revealing the female character the higher the defense stat. Oh.
1: I blame uh, Blizzard and World of Warcraft for that.
0: Uh, did World of Warcraft come out before Xenosaga? Um, I just know World of Warcraft made that uh, meme popular.
2: That also, that's actually I find to be more of a Western RPG meme in general. Based, like Conan the Barbarian, right and various things like that, where. The less clothing you wear, for some reason, the higher armor defense you have.
0: I mean, logistically, that makes no fucking sense, but obviously, it's it's, it's not there. It's a bikini with a metal force field around the body. The developers did not put that in... Just because, I mean, let let's not you know beat around the bush here. It's
2: yeah, and for those who aren't aware, Ziggy is a fourteen year old kid who Yeah, that's Momo. Zaga... I'll say isn't he like five hundred years old in Xenosaga or something like he, that?
0: He's he's not a kid. Uh, you're th- probably thinking of Momo. Z- Ziggy was an actual person, but came. Oh, Ziggy
2: was the red hair. Was the red hair guy right?
0: Yeah, that's Junior. I will show you a picture of Ziggy. He was like. Uh, Momo's protector.
2: Okay, because Momo was the innocent, rel- the innocent girl that got royally mind screwed over multiple times in that game.
0: Uh, yes. Let me just get you a picture of Ziggy.
2: Shion was the scientist. Cosmos was the battle, battle android.
0: And they, the swimsuit they gave Ziggy was a scuba suit. So you know it it was there and yes I can't and this happened you know quite a bit I remember him okay
2: but I know Junior had one too though I remember Junior had a swimsuit it was just him in red trunks you're right yes
0: that is that is correct yes I remember that now too Ziggy got the scuba Ziggy got the scuba deer Junior got the red trunks and like a snorkel Uh, Cosmos and Xion got the incredibly revealing bikinis oh Oh, Japan (laughs) oh Japan oh Japan and so I mean this this particular trope does I mean now I think if you had a game with those types of tropes it would be still it would be very much considered very insensitive yeah, but then
1: there will be like Lollipop Chainsaw, where it's just supposed to be fun, and they do it on purpose.
0: You know, I've, I've never played Lollipop Chainsaw. <laughs> you should. It's
1: fun. As long as you approach it with a, with a mindset of, this is fun, this is for fun, this is not meant to be taken seriously, and the creators know it. Because it's, it's done by James Gunn, who did the Guardians of the Galaxy, did Slither and Super. He did the game, He so think about the way he looks at life and go with that.
0: Dragon Quest Eight actually took the idea of the female character as eye candy and actually made uh, added a hilarious uh, bit of statistical play.
2: Oh yeah, with Jessica and seduction is the actual name of this. No, the, sexy. The,
0: the stat, uh, the stat was called sex appeal, and every time, yeah. every time you leveled up, you could. You, ha- you got skill points that you could assign to stats, and you had the option to raise the sex appeal. And what that did was that the higher that stat, the, mo- the higher chance that an enemy wouldn't attack because he was so infatuated by Jessica, or more specifically, her massive breasts.
2: Not to mention that eventually, if you level the stat to 100, she basically gives you... Uh, a boob job and uh, as a special attack. <laughs> <I> remember
0: that. <laughs> well, Jessica does have ample stage presence, and the alternate costumes... You, well, not the alternate costumes. The different outfits you can buy yes. during For, the game. Yes, yes. During the, you know, in-game also did that whole the less she wears... The, uh, the the the, the expo- Divine
2: Bikini I think is what it's called the, or something the ex- like that. The
0: exponential increase of the defense stat.
2: Yeah, it's like it's like the Divine Bikini or something like that, which is which to be completely honest, has been in, in Dragon Quest previously, where you have what well, they they usually call really called Divine Bikini or something like that, where it's there's usually speaking, it's usually a really rare piece of armor that you can only get or not either, armor. Or not armor, <laughs> in this case, where it's, you usually have to get it with a, like a lot of the tiny metals, you have to have like 80 or 100 usually to even get it, um, so usually it's not something that you would get early on, but it's still, it, you're wearing a goddamn bikini. Like, what the hell? Yeah,
0: how the hell can, you, how the hell is, or is your defense so high when you're wearing practically nothing?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But you know that that's a, a uh, you know that's a particular trope. I mean, obviously, um, we already touched upon the, the menu-based combat at length. Uh, but uh, Final Fantasy has been getting strange of late. Uh, Final Fantasy, which is 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 one of the standards for JRPGs, uh, has been getting Weird, these last few installments, to put it mildly. So so it is. It it is here where we're going to take a break and end this first half. So on this second half, we'll continue the discussion. We'll shift also, you know, to Western RPGs as well. But we'll also talk about you know a little bit about the decline of the JRPG and where we see these franchise, these these genres going in the future. So. While that uh, is forthcoming, you guys will have some music, and on that wonderful note, you're listening to Downloadable Content, we'll be back! Welcome back to downloadable content, everyone! We're all still here, except for Michelle, who obviously left toward the end of the first half, but no one has... No one's died, no one's needed to be revived with a phoenix down or anything like that. I think everyone's wearing their ribbons so that they're immune to all status effects by now. So, we will continue where we left off. I I closed the first half uh, talking about how Final Fantasy has gotten a little weird, to say the least... Um, and you know, on on a broader scale, I'm sure we've all have noticed that JRPGs are no longer the 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 console movers that they once were.
1: Yeah, I remember the day when I, I'd go to like any any store, and it'd be Final Fantasy VII, to Final Fantasy VIII posters everywhere. It was available on PC on every console, and that you, no matter where you went, you cannot escape them. But now and uh, you might see a poster somewhere but it's not plastered everywhere.
0: JRPGs have, have long since fallen out of favor and you know, despite the fact that they used to be the games to have. Those were the ones that moved consoles and you were, for, for game developers they were guaranteed big sales but I think there are a few reasons for that Uh, I'd bring up Final Fantasy because it's a perfect example of probably the biggest reason. Um, In which I I feel that Square has kind of lost its way a bit, especially after the departure of some of the original creators of Final Fantasy. Uematsu, the composer, and the name I can't pronounce who actually invented the damn series. Because I, I think there was a definite drop in quality of the game. The narratives were not there. Hironobu Sak- Sakaguchi, that's who he was. Um, and, you know, I think for for a lot of people, especially ones who played the older games, it kind of started with 10. And, and it just kind of became a downhill slope from there. Um, well, I mean, with with Western RPGs, Western developers starting to grow by this time, Western RPG uh, game makers were finding that they could borrow a variety of game mechanics from other genres to be able to create that same sort of same sort of emotional highs and lows you could get from a JRPG and that may have started to encroach on the JRPG's turf.
1: I, I think the first Western RPG, you can correct me if you think I'm wrong, the first Western RPG I recall that really really became a must-buy, that really that people started turning towards Western versus JRPG, I think started with Baldur's Gate 2. Because Baldur's Gate 1 had a lot of goodwill, but Baldur's Gate 2 was the one that people put on the top list, their best list, of, you know, still on best list of all time for some people. That one and a KotOR one, nice Republic. People started really noticing that Western RPGs are actually good, and they started shifting, you know, after Final Fantasy X away from those games that are getting, as they're getting prettier, but they're also getting more confusing.
0: I I might argue uh, Fallout, the original oh, Fallout.
3: Thinking, yeah, I'm just thinking. I was just gonna say that Brian is Fallout. I think it started with Fallout.
0: Yeah. You know? I mean, definitely around that time, you know, these games are starting to encroach on the JRPG's thunder, but I also... But, I, but as going back, I thought the one of the biggest reasons for the JRPG's decline is the fact that you know, particularly in Square's case, they decided to shift emphasis uh, from good narrative, good story, to Oh, we've got new consoles. Let's ramp up the shiny.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And no game in the Final Fantasy series do I see this much more clearly evident than Final Fantasy 13 <laughs> which, beca- which still got
1: a perfect score from Famitsu with this Final Fantasy 13 too.
0: I'm not surprised. <laughs> They've had a history of of ba- of buying reviews in the past, so I don't put too much stock in a Famitsu review.
1: Unless it's for Skyrim, and then you go, "What the heck? They acknowledge that Western RPGs exist."
0: Yeah, I, I was like, "What? Uh, we exist." <laughs> but Final Fantasy 13, and, and if you've ever listened to me before on the on Downloadable Content, I love shitting on Final Fantasy 13. So I. <laughs> and and I, I do kind of enjoy a little bit shitting on people who enjoy final fantasy 13 um but final fantasy 13 was the perfect example of all of their attention placed on the graphical capabilities of the playstation 3 and basically chucking gameplay and story which had been two of the biggest hallmarks of what made the Final Fantasy series so great, Square went, "Oh, this is going to be the first major Final Fantasy game on the PS3. Let's exploit all of its graphical power. What about story? Now we'll just have the we'll just have the game hold their hand for thirty hours. What were you calling it yesterday, Tanya? Final, final hallway.
3: Final hallway thirteen. Final hallway yeah. thirteen. Final hallway thirteen. I, I, you know, it's. And you know what, Brian, and here's the thing is, and this is really what it boils down to Final Fantasy 13, at least in my opinion. Final Fantasy 13 is, like you said, look at me, I'm a shiny. Look, I'm so shiny, look at me. And it's got no substance. It has has the equivalent, the the substance equivalent of that game is equal to earwax. It has, it's storyline... Okay, now, I said storylines can be, like, complex and it's good. This one's convoluted. This one's truly convoluted. It's got, it's got the emotional depth of, of, a, of a wet hamster. It has... It, it's, it's beyond all reckoning in my brain that could possibly register the amount of loathing I have for that title. It, it's just ridiculous. I...
0: I almost hate it as much as Earthbound. It's you know Final Fantasy 13 is a beautiful, beautiful game. It's an amazing looking game, and that's about the Absolutely. only positive thing I can say about it. The characters are one dimensional. The gameplay is subpar, and it's I, I was so bitterly disappointed. And you know this has been this has been a, a trend. For Square, particularly in the, for the Final Fantasy series, just been going wh- right the fuck downhill. And I'm saying, like, okay, uh, Final Fantasy is all about narrative and you know, very, very you know, good gameplay. Another type, another big reason why I think JRPGs have kind of fallen off the wagon is that now they're kind of considered old and cliched because the JRPGs don't typically want to deviate too far from their well-established tropes. I mean, take a look at... I'll I'll go back to this. I'll go back to Lost Odyssey. That is uh, one of the more recent JRPGs I've played, I think. Yeah, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles was my most recent JRPG, but before that, it was Lost Odyssey. And... After I had beaten the game, I enjoyed Lost Odyssey immensely. But I was taking a look at, at reviews for Lost Odyssey, and across the board, the biggest criticism for Lost Odyssey was the fact that you know it's been done before. It uses a lot of the same JRPG tropes. And how you have the menu-based combat... You know, you have your, your you know your eye candy, massively breasted female characters uh, who are also your healers, and you know the the random battles, and th- for a lot of mo- current video game reviewers, they're basically looked at this and went, okay, we've seen this a billion times. Next. And
1: another aspect you can see it from is um i i read my own podcast and i've gotten to interview lots of voice actors and people behind this stuff and uh one of them um who i, I know really stands out to so me, yeah, i talked to him about this his name is uh, damian clark He's handsome jack in borderlands 2 um but we asked him about some of his roles in anime and why he doesn't like doing jrpgs and uh you know do to cut it you know, summarize what he said. He basically said because in JRPGs, you have no idea what the heck is going on. Um, we particularly asked him you know, about if you know Dragon Ball Z, he plays Cell. We asked him, what did you think about when you had to absorb characters through your butt to get more powerful? And he, he was just like, when you do anything for Japanese RPGs or Japanese shows, you just don't think about what you're saying because you have no idea what's going on. No one is idea you know what's going on. And if you ask anyone what it is, they say well, it doesn't have to make sense. Just do it. Just do it. While Western ones, if you talk to people like you know, like uh, Mark Mir or Jennifer Hale, and you talk about like Mass Effect, they can tell you exactly what's going on, exactly what the reasoning is, and know exactly why their character does this and that. Um, while the JRPG ones, it's just do it because it's in the story. And that's definitely a very different direction with how they make their games. Yeah, I have to agree
3: with that. I mean, there's a lot of illogic when it comes to. I mean. You know, a lot of people use you know game logic as kind of a meme, but here's the thing: you know, uh, Western developers, and of course, you know, uh, being a Western developer, I count myself in that. Is uh, in our games as well. Even though our games are styled after uh, GRPGs, they're so not. Um, you know, uh, we we not only try to avoid those certain tropes, we we uh, we, we kind of poke fun at them in our own little subtle ways as well, but. You know, um, but sometimes we break them. We just completely smash them to pieces. I mean, you know, and that's really, and that's really, I think, you know, uh, what it really is is, you know, you have a game like, well, they, well uh, there we go, like Lost Odyssey, and yeah, you know, I and I think it's a great game. I'm sure it's going to be awesome, and so when I to start playing it because I can't wait to, but like. It's got the tropes, and you're going into it going, well, okay, is this going to appeal to gamers of this generation? Absolutely not. you you, you got to have a sort of logic that Western gamers are going to pick up on. You know? In our games, we have that. If things make sense. There's a reason why our characters are doing what they're doing, and you can follow it. Um, you don't get that in GRPGs, which, again, is you know why I think Final Fantasy Fifteen. Um, even though it's going to be an action RPG and it's going to be more Western than it is going to be JRPG, but I still think it's not gonna—it's just not going to be on the level that Western gamers nowadays are going to be
0: connected to. But that's just my opinion. Uh, well, I, I certainly feel that with c- certainly older gamers. But here's another question for you: JRPGs are typically very narrative heaven, very very plot-laden, and you have to pay attention to the story. Do you think younger gamers have too short of an attention span for such plot-laden games?
1: I, I think Bioware has proven with Mass Effect and Dragon Age that no, we can definitely... Younger gamers can definitely fall in love with a plot a very in-depth plot, full of emotion, full of choice and decisions and, you know, it's fairly, you know, Mass Effect series is uh, 90 hours total for the whole series or something like that, um, 70 to 90, and you, you, then they can get everyone to to fall in love with it. You know, not everyone has to play like a Skyrim where you don't, the plot's irrelevant to the entire thing. A Western gamers have proven, Western developers have proven they can make RPGs with that plot, with the focus, as well as characters you love, as well as... You know stuff that aren't going to outright offend you because it's you know genre tropes or you know stereotypes. They've proven we can do it on this side, and I think that's what's hurting JRPGs right now. Is JRPGs are still thinking they need to rely on their cultural
0: stereotypes. That's
1: we're just not following that anymore here.
0: Yeah. Again, it's it's become old hat. So you know, there's there's
1: we like physics now. It's not like Advent Children, where you can, you know, jump up in the air, throw someone, and the next person can be jumping up in the air a little higher for some reason, and throw them in the air, and they, you know, this whole line of people, checking someone in the air, and it doesn't make sense because, as I said on the commentary, f physics, who cares?
0: So, so I mean, JRPGs are, are having a little bit of an identity crisis, but I think that, um, you know, for somebody like Square, I think they're they're going a bit too far. With trying to change the formula, however, you do have some Japanese uh, game makers who have taken up the mantle of making Western-style RPGs, uh, i.e., Dark Souls and Demon Souls. Oh yes, which uh, and you can also say with Square, um, sex. Yep. So, that's a very
1: unsquare
0: game. That's you know, especially you know, Dark Souls. Uh, if you are a glutton for punishment, <laughs> you now it's you know, made by From Software. But you know, Western RPGs have have now taken up the mantle because, as we as we said earlier, they have figured out a way. Yeah, see, Western RPGs, Western. Game developers are not stuck in the mud usually in terms of sticking to established tropes. They will happily bake, borrow, and steal from other types of other genres of games, I should say. You know, we've mentioned, you know, probably one of the best examples that I have personally played is the Mass Effect series. I love the Mass Effect series, I even enjoyed the ending. Yeah, I know. Did I. I,
1: I love that. I'm playing through that whole thing again right now. That I got all the DLC. Uh, you
0: know, that's the the ending. The ending was great. I'm currently uh, plugging my way through Dragon Age. And you know, when and even first-person shooter games are incorporating RPG elements. I think Call of Duty has a leveling up system in its multiplayer. I think. I could be wrong.
2: Um. The leveling up system in most like of duties and battlefields nowadays is usually just leveling up to get better guns or better modifications for said guns.
0: Um, let's see what else. The Elder Scrolls series, which you know, one of the things I love most about Skyrim is the fact that because I mean this is true, because Western RPGs don't typically follow a linear story. Um, you can put the game down for months. And then when you finally pick it up again a hundred years later, you basically don't miss anything. It's back to, you know, kicking ass. Because you are not...
1: But if you put Xenoblade Chronicles down and you pick it up, you're like, I have no idea where I am, and you start over.
0: Well, that's because Xenoblade Chronicles (laughs) is, uh... Not only is it a long game, it's a fairly laid work. Oh my god, great game! But oof.
1: one one question I have about Square Enix is, you know, they make they do all this weird crap with Final Fantasy now, but then they make games like Deus Ex Human Revolution, which is a Square Enix game. And yep, it's considered one of the best Western RPGs ever made. Where did they pull that out? Like I know that the series is, you know, they can't really change the series too much, but like. Where do they go from making weird stuff, and then Deus Ex is just like, oh, let's just release that game and see what happens?
3: You know, honestly, I, I think I have an answer to that. It's because literally, I mean, you know, everybody knows how big Square Enix is, obviously. But, I mean, you know, they have different divisions that handle these games. I mean, I'm sure uh, Deus Ex has more... Um, has more uh, is, is 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 either their Western department? Is it, uh, I'm sure maybe Square Enix America or Square Enix North America. Or Eidos. S-
1: oh, was it Idos? Oh, okay. so
3: yeah, the developer so is Idos. Oh wow, so Idos. Okay, so there we go. Square but, Enix like, just
0: published the game.
3: Yeah, they published. But like, take a look at like Tomb Raider. There, there's a perfect example. You know, uh, it it's something that you know Square Enix put out and. But what I saw, they weren't actually expecting it to, to really you know be a be, be a be a be a killer app. But it turned out to be that way. But then they go, oh well, actually it didn't do as well because it didn't it didn't it didn't it only made a, it only made a little bit it more. Did it didn't sell eight million made.
1: copies. It sold seven million copies.
3: Yeah, exactly. So like they're like, yeah. oh no, it's, just, it's 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 still a failure.
1: And it's like this. I just had a terrible thought. of, Think of Tomb Raider if it was made in the style of a Final Fantasy game, female wise. Yeah.
3: See what I mean? <laughs> uh, that's it, 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 It's like... It, it made me go, wow, okay, so they're capable of a Tomb Raider game. They're capable of Deus Ex. They're capable of this, but... I, all you gotta do is take a look at Final Fantasy thirteen or Final Fantasy fifteen or whatnot, and it makes no sense. Their sensibilities... It, it, it literally feels to me like there's... Like, there's two or three different divisions that are just, like, not communicating with one another. There's no communication there. Because if there was, you'd see some overlap, and you're not seeing that.
0: And, you know, with with Western developers now basically taking up the slack, there's kind of no need for, you know, the JRPG, which means that the JRPG has some, some serious work to do if it wants to stay relevant, and so I'm going to shift gears a little bit. Um, you know, JRPG, you know, what does the future hold for JRPGs? And I think that it, for JRPGs to stay, to to, to, to con- not fade entirely into obscurity as a as a niche genre, it does need to change a bit in how it. You know how they make games you cannot stick to the same ty- the same tropes which worked for 10 20 years especially with you know today's gamers they we have very very varied tastes genres continue continually blend in all sorts of, of games you don't have you know you don't have games anymore that's typically one genre there's a mix of a mix of genres. So I always end up, and I, I, I've i done this in, in many episodes of downloadable content, I, I always go back to indie games. Because indie games currently are not afraid to do what the AAA developers are afraid of. Absolutely. So... Yeah, I, I, I I agree. And so a couple of games that I think are... Perfect for you know a modernization of the JRPG. Tanya, I've suited your own horn enough, so I'm going to shift. Uh, I'm going to throw out another developer. Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the company is called Zeboid Games, and I've played two of their uh, old style JRPG inspired titles, Breath of uh, Breath of Death Eight and Cthulhu Saves the World. I don't know if any of you have played either of those titles. They're hilarious. No of them. <laughs> they, I no. they're, they're very cheap. You can find them on Steam. They're very cheap. They're pretty short. They're between 8 and 10 hours. And they are set up as an old school you know, NES or Super Nintendo RPG turn-based battle system. Uh, very much reminiscent of the early Dragon Warrior games but they do things like they, they break some conventions for example there is a lot of parody there's a lot of fourth wall breaking especially in Cthulhu Saves the World it's hilarious your, your female characters are not just tits and ass who throw out a healing spell they can hold their own, and that's great. I, I think it's a it's a wonderful both of them, Breath of Death Breath of Death Seven. It's called Breath of Death Seven: The Beginning, which itself is is a parody because it's the only game in the Breath of Death series. <laughs> it's called, the full title is Breath of Death Seven: The Beginning, and. I, I think it, they're, they're wonderful examples of modernizing the JRPG. I mean, when you have a game in that style... I mean, for fuck's sake, you have characters falling in love with dead things. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to disagree with one of your points, though.
1: Um, I don't think that necessarily that JRPGs need to be modernized... Because I think as we learn with Mistwalker's last story, which of course was made by Sagaguchi and um, Nobu Nobu um, and with Xenoblade Chronicles, is Western people will buy the good JRPGs, and those games were very well received in Japan, very well received in Europe, and for some reason they wouldn't send them here, and so they, you know, people had to appeal to get them here, and it was like number one on Amazon for like a year before, but finally said, so fine, you can get the European copy.
0: That was Operation we'll Rainfall, I think.
1: Well, yeah, we'll we we'll, we'll buy and review well, um, JRPGs as long as we get the good ones. But the problem is Japan sits on the good ones and says Americans will never buy this game. We're not going to release it there because why try? When we do, whenever the good ones come here, they buy them. Whether it's on the Game Boy or whether it's you know on the Wii or whatever, people will purchase them. But the problem is they send us the ones that are say, oh, this has a big title on it. Let's put a Final Fancy on it, which they started. That started back in, you know, with the original Game Boy, where they said, we'll put Final Fantasy on this game so it'll sell. And, you know, they did that with Man Secret of Mana and Saga and all this stuff. And that's what they're still doing today. They'll only put the ones with the big names on them, because they think we won't buy anything else.
0: Well, then, he- here's the thing, and, that, you know, that's fine if you disagree with me, I like that. Um, he, uh... Games like... Xenoblade Chronicles, which, you know, is a very good RPG, what makes that game stand out in the JRPG genre that made it, you know, that was made it so very well received?
1: Well, I know one thing is uh, the gameplay. A lot of people really, really loved the gameplay of that game and the world design and how it actually used the Wii to it, it, it used the Wii appropriately to uh, explore this world. It's a beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful games on the Wii, which oh, yes. I saying a lot because the Wii games don't tend to be beautiful. Uh, and uh, and I, I'm, I'm going to look at some of the things that people said about that game in their in their reviews. Um, you know, uh, I know GameSpot said it drags JRPGs in the 21st century by modernizing genres traits and um, gives us a, a pace that works. Um. Yes, Eurogamer says it was. Uh, it's a respect to the past, but at the same time, it gives us. Yeah, Bruce agrees too. It gives us stereotypes <laughs> that it doesn't give us the same old stereotypes we had before. It's a sixteen-bit era game, but with a modern sensibility. Um, a lot of people. T- and it's fun. that's the biggest thing. It was just a it was a fun game. A lot of people recognize that. same thing with The last story, which I think was mainly because of Sagaguchi who tends to make fun games. Um, and of course Nobu's music, which is beautiful in every way. but I, I, I just think I don't think it was what game that was like, above all the rest, but it combined a bunch of elements in a way that made it appealing to everyone, rather than saying, you know, some games have good gameplay, but terrible music. Some games, some of the RPGs have, it's a beautiful look at, has great music, but the story makes no sense at all. Or you hate the main protagonist, because all he does is whine the entire time, like Final Fantasy VIII through everything. <laughs>
3: <laughs> True. Uh, actually, this game is a, the developer and a game I like to put out there. Um, it's uh, *Pure Solar HD* from Watermelon Games. Um, you know, I, I just recently finished that game, and uh, on Steam, and it was an amazing game. But it's a recent. Uh, it, it, it's a recent game that was. Bas- it's basically a Genesis game, just with um, you know visuals that have been updated. Uh, you know, not the sprites, but the. Overall visuals, landscape, and updated to HD graphics, and it's it's got that very distinct JRPG sensibility, but it was made by Western uh, Western developers, and it, it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like it was a JRPG. I mean, if you just go through the dialogue itself, it, it's so Western. It's it's got that feel to it. It's got that logic. It's got that it just feels it's fun and it's just exciting and, you know it, it just is different and i like that you know um so kudos to them you know for doing that and i hope and i hope they're doing well um but yeah i mean i i reiterate what he said absolutely it's you know for xenoblade chronicles i mean it's just it was a fun game you know and and GRPGs. you know i mean you look at final fantasy like or 13.2, or Lightning Returns from gosh, I can't get into, but you know, Lightning Returns, I, I, I played it, I saw the gameplay, I saw an LP of it, it was ridiculous. It, it was, that's literally what Square saw what Square, Square saw, what Square Enix thinks is what gamers want. They think they want that. You know? And it's like, no, that's not fun. When is that fun? Tell me how that's fun. You know, you Chronicles was a, is, is an amazing game, and it was made by an amazing developer, and, you know, it, and it's just, it's just, I, I really think that, you know, what you said earlier, Brian, about, you know, how after Final Fantasy X, it just kind of went downhill, you know, i say after Final Fantasy IX, but that's me, but, you know, it really did go, it really, it really you know, Sakaguchi gets it, he, he he gets what makes Western gamers tick. You know? And that's great. That's a great thing to have for a developer, but... I tell you right now, Square Enix doesn't have a clue.
1: <laughs> I, it's, it's because Square Enix makes amazing Game Boy titles. The titles they release on Game Boys, whether they're remakes or RPGs, they tend to be fantastic and fun, and you play the heck out of them. But when they go to, like, a console, when they have graphical capability, they're like, let's just vomit all over the screen, awesome graphics, and then, oh, wait, we need a game with this. Crap. Um, why don't they just make it? If they're gonna do that, why don't they just make another Advent Children type movie and do what they did with that one, where it's gonna be a game and then just make a movie anyway instead? Because that's what they seem to be doing. Absolutely, absolutely agreed. Yep.
0: So, I mean I'm going through through my Steam library now. I mean, there's some some games that I, I really want to play. Um, Evoland, which I've heard is really good. That's a game where you basically play through the history of RPGs. And the game graphically, you start off, you know, playing at this top-down view. You start out your characters like an 8-bit sprite, and as the game progresses, the graphical quality improves with as you go forward in generations of JRPGs.
3: And actually, more than
0: that, Brian, apparently also the gameplay changes
3: up where it goes from um, uh, turn-based to action RPG uh-huh. to, to 3D turn-based like ATV to, to action RPG. It's crazy.
0: Um, there's also another game that I'm, I want to play called The Last Remnant. Um, I also have another RPG. This is a you know, made from a Western developer on Steam. It's called Saturday Morning RPG, which is utterly hilarious. You're basically—it's uh, a love letter to Saturday morning cartoons, which now no longer exist, and that is sad. Just—just
1: just looking at—I was at a list here of like the most anticipated RPGs in the next few years. Out of this entire list, out of ten of them, only three are Japanese. You know, cause you have games on here like you know Dead Island 2 and Mass Effect and Dragon Age Inquisition, uh, Witcher 3, which I'm really looking forward to because those games are are gorgeous and really freaking hard. Um, but but the, only, the only ones on here that are Japanese like Persona 5, Bloodborne, and they actually put Final Fantasy 15 on here. But most of these people aren't looking forward to Japanese, and I'm looking through lots of lists. Most people aren't looking forward to Japanese games at all. There's very few on here we're talking about.
0: And a couple of the ones that I wanted to play are MMOs, like Dragon Quest X, which I hear is doing very well in Japan, but that's not going to make it over here. <laughs>
1: At least not in English, legally.
0: Well, also, I think, unless they change it, the last I heard about it, Dragon Quest X was a Wii-only MMO. Go figure that one out.
1: Oh, so like Monster Hunter 3? when That was, oh. that was it, sad. I know.
0: Depressing
1: games like that don't really work on, 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 on the Wii because I, I know with Monster Hunter 3, my problem was I couldn't read most of the text because the screen, because like pixel wise, it didn't really you couldn't. And unless you had a perfectly awesome TV, which made Wii games look terrible, you couldn't read the text because it was too small.
0: Um, another game that I, I've been very I've been told by several people I should get uh, is The World Ends With You. Which I think is a DS title. Hmm. I don't know too much about it, so
1: I've just been playing like the Dungeon Crawler ones, like the Torchlight 2 and the uh, Diablo 3s and hack and slash ones can be a lot of fun. If you don't have a lot of time. Oh well, yes.
0: But I mean <laughs> but I mean, going back to to indie indie games, I mean I, I like the fact that indie developers who i mean not only i mean with rpg rpgs but i mean with just retro style games to begin with they're not afraid to take risks so they're able to take these long standing genres of games and do things to them to you know change up the tropes a little make them interesting
1: i have an example if you want an awesome one that i remember does
0: anyone remember charles barkley showed up
1: in jam gatedon I've never heard of that.
3: I saw an article about that. It looked interesting. <laughs> Look it up.
1: It's it's sprites, it's it, it's mocks, JRPG tropes, and Bill Cosby in the same thing. Um, it's, <laughs> it's, it's to say, um, I'm going to read a description of here. Here's a description. Basketball has been outlawed in the city of Neo-New York where diabetes runs rampant and even Michael Jordan has become a total dick. When ex-NBA player Charles Barkley is framed for a mass, mass murder, he has to team up with robot Vince Carter, a dwarf with a basketball skin, and a great-grandson of LeBron James, in order to try to figure out who killed all those millions of people, and also his son is named Hoops. Obviously. And it's free.
0: Okay! <laughs> 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 I I kind of have a... You said you are making fun of Bill Cosby. Is everyone wearing, like, a, a Cosby sweater? There There is someone who only
1: talks like Cosby, and... Yeah.
0: With the zippity-zop and the floobity-flop and the, uh...
1: Yep, and he's like the guy who has to give you information, and you have no <laughs> idea what that saying. All right! <laughs>
0: Check out that game. It'll at least give you a smile. Kind of reminds me of the character of Senor Card Gage from Homestar Runner, but... (laughs) But, be that as it may. Alrighty, so, the last question I wish to pose to the group uh, Um, is, where do we see uh, Western RPGs and JRPGs going?
1: I'll tackle this one first, I guess. Uh, I think Western RPGs are moving into the realm of uh, they want to make fewer games. So rather than making sequels, they're going to make MMOs where they continue, continuously um, update them. Um, you know, you saw that with the Old Republic. There are resources in a game they can just continually making better and continue adding stuff. There's having more titles that cost hundreds of millions of dollars sometimes. Um, I I think that's, especially with Bioware and Blizzard, that's where they're hitting is, they they aren't going to have very many standalone titles, but a title that they can just keep on updating continuously rather than just every couple years' sequel.
0: So you tend to think that Western RPGs are just, are going to eventually more and more shift to either multiplayer or MMO, sort of?
1: Yeah, I can see them making, say, like, a Mass Effect universe game soon, where it's, just going to be massive Effect and it will do like they did with the Old Republic where there's flashpoints and there's all these extra things to continually, continuously add. You know, Final Fantasy XI can, can be alive after 10 years and continuously add expansions. Uh, I think if they can find a way to make the pay, the pay model work um, or find a way to keep funding it, um, I think MMOs are going to be the future of a lot of Western RPGs.
0: I hope not because I love my single player experience.
1: Well, play the Old Republic. It's a
0: 200-hour single-player
1: MMORPG. Each class.
0: Eh. <laughs> That'd be good if I was into Star Wars. But I'm not. Shame. Alright. Tanya, what say you? Um, well, you
1: know, that's a
3: tough question. I think uh, GRPGs um, that are japanese developed obviously i think that uh i think if they don't evolve and i mean really evolve uh with western uh you know um culture and whatnot and they get and they really break those tropes then i think they're gonna i think they're gonna actually just fade away i think um you know you're gonna have your western rpgs but those are gonna be you know, I think saying Western RPG is going to take on a whole different meaning because of indies. Like, you know, not just my company, but also, you know, plenty of others that we mentioned. But, you know, you're going to have these, uh, these indies that are, going to, that are going to be the big behemoth companies in the future. And uh, they're going to be churning out, you know, uh, the next huge AAA type RPG that's going to be styled after a type of JRPG in the past, but it's not going to happen that way no more. It's going to be with Western sensibilities and and adapting to the changing climate and, you know, um, putting in a different philosophy than uh, Japanese-type games and so forth. So I think you're going to see the Western developers uh, it's going to basically be the Japan of JRPGs uh, from now on. I think that's what's happening. It's already happening. I think it's going to continue to happen. Indies are going to take, uh, take up the are going to take up the are going to take it up. and take upon the mantle and they're going to go forward with it. I also think that um, Western RPGs, as they stand now, I think they're going to go um, a different kind of MMO route. Um, I have to agree with, with what he said. I I, I do think that they're going to go a different kind of MMO MMO route. I think it's going to be more of a persistent um, online, you know, in the browser type thing where, um, you know, where it literally is that you can have a single player experience, but that it's mostly going to be multiplayer and it's just going to be like, you know, a constant ever-evolving, changing world and, you know, so forth and so on. Basically like, you know, World of Warcraft souped up. That's what I think.
0: Um, that's where I think we're all headed. Again, I kind of hope that it doesn't go completely into the MMO category because I do like my single-player experiences. Although the mechanic that games like Dark Souls and Demon Souls uses where you are playing single-player but at the same time connected to everyone else on the PlayStation Network or, or Xbox Live playing that game, leaving little notes for you to either listen to or ignore at your peril, I could definitely see that. That's that's an enjoyable mechanic. So, uh, Ron, the, the question I posed was where do you see JRPGs and Western RPGs in the future? What do you... What, 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 prognosticate.
2: I think we're going to see JRPGs become a niche. I don't see how they can sort of write that ship after how few, how few successful ones have come out in recent memory. The only ones that I I can think of that are standout successes are bravely default, which is harkens back to more of the older generation of um, like your Final Fantasies, like pre-7. And then you have um, Persona, and like the Persona series, which is a more mature, in the sense of like, it's a bit more violent, a bit more like Blood guts, things like that. I don't see it being a like. I, I unless Final is fifteen, like blows my mind, which I just can't see at this point in time. I don't see how JRPGs don't fall into like a niche category. As for Western RPGs, um, I think you'll have your occasional AAA studio like BioWare or um, Bethesda. Microsoft or Bethesda? Bethesda, something like that. Yeah, like your Bethesda's, your Biowares, any Microsoft will put out a triple A RPG. But I think most RPGs from the Western scene will be a like a like an MMO or a Dark Souls type thing, where like you have a single player world, but you have like that online that brief moments of online inter- interaction.
0: I kind of hope all of you are wrong for my sake, but...
1: <laughs> I, I will have one thing to introduce. I think the one company that will not make an RPG, uh, an MMO, so to speak, um, in that way, uh, who's actually probably, to me, the most interesting um, newcomer into the RPG world, is probably Pro- uh, CD Project or the really Project Red. The guys who make The Witcher and Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven gonna come out sometime soon. They're the ones that have definitely delved into our hardcore RPG mechanics. I don't think they're gonna leave that one anytime soon.
2: Um, the like, the Shadowrun game that's on uh the Shadowrun Returns that's on Steam That's that's a that's a really good one that I like. Um, I, my issue with it is that unless like for most studios, like unless you're doing a Something like a like how Shadowrun did their game, where it's like they have a they have the main game, and then they're they're gonna put out like a couple like separate like uh, se- se- separate storylines, or like different and like similar length in terms of gameplay. But I I just don't see the development time being for, like years and years and years on most RPGs nowadays. Like I don't see how that can be sustained when e like previous RPGs would take maybe a couple years at most to make, and most of that was just, like, space limitations more than anything else.
0: Alrighty. Well, there we go. So, uh, before I put a bow on this episode and bid y'all farewell, I will give Jeremiah a couple minutes to plug his own show, because I'm, you know, I'm a good kid like that. So,
1: Jeremiah, what do you do? Um, so, you can find, uh, my show, it's, uh, Bombad Radio. You can find us at bombadradio.com. Um, we're on Facebook and Twitter, Stitcher, everywhere podcasts are, because that's what you do. Um, we have shows out every Saturday. Um, this Saturday, actually, I don't know when this is gonna happen, but this Saturday, we actually have a superheroologist. He's Travis Langley, he wrote Batman in Psychology. So, we like, talk about everything, video games, video games uh, comics, movies. Mainly the voice actors. Do you want to hear us talk about hear talks of voice actors in the new games? We have pretty much everything you can think of, from Jennifer Hale to uh, we have Billy West coming up soon. We have uh, Mark Meir. We've had, well, Mark Meir's wife is even funnier than he is. Because, uh, she wants to shoot him in the face. But, uh Yeah, we have, we have lots of people. There. You can find it on Bombard Radio.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you very much for that. Uh, Tana, if you want to give a, a brief plug for any new listeners out there,
3: um, well, uh, actually, um, I'll just do uh, real quick. Um, obviously, you know, I'm the CEO of Kasara Studios. We're currently releasing Episode Two, War of the Abyss, the sequel to our first game,
2: uh, on November
3: Fourteenth of next month. So, uh, you know, um, there's a trailer up um, up on our YouTube. So go check it out, and uh, yeah, it's gonna be awesome. Looking forward to it.
0: Well, there we go. So. My final plugs here again. If you have any questions, comments, anything you would like to add on this episode or any other episode of downloadable content, you can get in touch with us a variety of ways. You can get on Facebook, facebook.com slash dlcontent, on Twitter, dlcontent, on Tumblr, dlcpodcast.tumblr.com. You can also email us, dlcontent1 at gmail.com. And as always... All episodes can be found on iTunes, YouTube and Stitcher. So, there we are, and that's been a pretty good pretty good chat. So, it remains for me to thank Ron, Tanya and Jeremiah. Welcome, you finally made it. And thank you for the suggestion. Thank you for the for the suggestion for this episode. It was nice. Yeah, and you did a couple of other my suggestions, like continuing the Final Fantasy series with all the, the offshoots. Of the That's right. That was your su- that was yours too. So maybe you'll have more about Starcraft soon, and I'll talk about that. <laughs> or non World of Warcraft Warcraft games. Uh, well, yes, th- there, there's also that. So again, thank you guys very very much for being on this episode. And with that, I'm Brian. Have a good one, everybody.